0: Welcome to the King's Church Ambition Podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Amen.
1: Thanks, Kerr. we on? Lovely. Okay. Well, if you're a visitor here this morning, this talk is a little bit different, and uh, we do this. Just so you know, a couple of times a year, when we get before you as a leadership team, just to explain what's going on and uh, where the church is going, the things that we've set our minds and our hearts to over the last period, to reflect on those things, to uh, acknowledge some of God's goodness, and also to communicate really the plans for the year ahead and the things that God has laid on our heart as a leadership team, and. Um, it's it's a great privilege to be able to do this to share this with you this morning. But first, I want to I want to start with really a note of gratitude. Um, it's been it's actually two weeks shy of a year since um, you formally inducted me into this position of, of lead pastor here at Kings. So it's almost an anniversary time for me in some respects, and. Um, As I look back over the year, I just wanted to just really just express how grateful I am. Grateful to so many people in so many different ways. Uh, Grateful to the elders and the trustees have embraced the things that I've brought to them, have encouraged and allowed room for me to shape and push some things. The staff team, which is pretty much entirely new, and we'll come on to that in a minute, for all your commitment, your endeavour, your inspiration... And pretty much everybody here who has been just so very gracious, loving and uh, enthusiastic as we, as we press into what God, I believe, has for us as a church. You know, as a church leader w- and as elders, we understand that it is, it's your service, your giving, your prayer, your encouragement that makes this place work. Uh, You are the church. It's not about a building or walls. It's about people. And we are grateful to God for each one of you. Jane and I have been away this past week with over 1,500 church leaders, senior leaders, and um, we're grateful to be at King's. We've shared stories with others and we've walked some painful roads with a few folk and we've talked to leaders and we are grateful to be here amongst you. This isn't a perfect church because it's full of people and it's about people. But it's a great church, but we've much to do, much to love, many people to save. Many people to disciple and encourage along their life's journeys. And God is in this place and amongst you people. And you should rejoice in that fact. You should rejoice. So, I'm going to share some vision stuff. In light, really, of a plan or a, a vision that I cast maybe 18 months ago now, September 18 in some respects. And we began to really set in motion a year or so ago. And it based around this idea of this challenge, this call to the church. Isaiah 49 verse 6. It's too small a thing. It's too small a thing for you just to be a servant, just to restore the tribes of Jacob. And just to bring back those I have kept, i.e. to look after each other and to make sure we're all okay, which is part of our responsibility. But I have made you a light for the, for the nations, for the Gentiles, so that salvation will reach the ends of the earth. And as a leadership team, we believe that is the call on this church and every church to be a light, to let God's light shine. To bring salvation to those in darkness. And we believe the church exists to grow. For people to be added to its number. To grow in spirit in maturity. In the way it shares its mercy that's been given to it by Jesus. So we're convinced as a leadership team that this church is called to be the good news of Jesus in as many ways as we are able. So the people who are far from God will be raised to life in Christ. That's our aspiration, that's our goal, that's our God-given purpose we believe. And I've shared this with you before and if you've read your brochures, you'll see that we framed those ideas in some statements about mercy, about maturity, about ministry, and about mission. And I've shared those things on a few occasions. If you haven't read those stuff, then it's in the brochures, and the yellow books, green books, whatever you want to call them. And pick one up and have a read. It's in there. But 12 months ago, we shared briefly a few ideas. We shared about the changes we were making to the way we operated pastorally within the church the pastoral team and the pastoral care. And we talked about the ideas of all of us having a responsibility and some of us having greater responsibility and a few being trained in key areas so that we we might care for everybody appropriately, safely, and as God would have us do. And I'm delighted with the progress that we've made on many levels. The pastoral team meet every fortnight. And we pray together for the church and all the situations that are going on. And we exchange. And we give counsel and wisdom. And we seek input. We've built strong relationships over this last year with the local authorities. We have our personal police officer. As a church now. She's amazing. She's Nikki. She's having a hip replacement. Pray for her. Because she is a gift. And in those that we're interacting with in the wider community, she is helping us as we we move forward. The team, as I say, have been meeting. And um, we're looking to add to that team. We need more resource on the ground. We need more to work in those areas within the church. And we'll talk about that over the next coming weeks and months. We also planned to try and build, this has been a two-year process, really, to build a staff team that we believed was capable of the things that perhaps God had laid on our heart, the things that we were fed and led to. To build on and enhance the existing ministries, we wanted a team that would release individuals, who don't hold on to things too tight themselves, but are able to raise up and release leaders and with capacity for growth. And I'm really pleased to be at the end of what has been a very long recruitment process. Abby returned to work last two weeks ago now, which we're thrilled about. And the staff team, as we would planned, is now in place. Now, they're not perfect people, And they definitely don't do everything you would like them to do. (laughs) Nor will they. But I believe they are God's appointed people for this time, for this place, in this season. And we're grateful. And they're here to serve you. And if you allow them, they will serve you well. And they've all, they've all challenged me already as we've gone along this journey. We've also been trying to prepare ourselves for growth in this season. And I've talked about that and we're putting things in place. We're trying to improve the communications that we make to you and the magazine is part of that and also our social media has been part of that and our communications on a Sunday and they will ongoing increase in their w- way. But we've also been asking questions. You might notice the chairs have moved. We've been asking questions. How do we use the space we have as best we can because we're just starting to feel the pressure of growth. Which is a lovely thing, but it's quite tough. And I would ask for your patience and your graciousness as we work through the challenges of what that means. Upstairs on a Sunday morning, our kids' rooms we're starting to feel the pinch of resource in space. On a Sunday morning, you may have noticed, sometimes it's hard to find a chair with all the kids in and everything else is going on. Fantastic. But we need to come up with some ideas about how we move that forward. So we are looking at how we may redesign, reinvent, reshape the space and some of the things that we do. On a Wednesday, it's it's a wonderful thing to see Cedars pushing the boundaries and Simon saying to me, can I have the auditorium? An oasis on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and Thursday saying, Jane, can I have the auditorium? And the council, council, And the local councils and the teaching services and the other things that we interact with because we believe it's part of a vision saying, can we have the auditorium? Not everybody can. It's not possible. So we come to come up with strategies, ways, maybe some more building work. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some more building work. If we are to continue to grow, which we believe, as I said before, is God's call on this church. So we've been thinking about that a lot as a leadership team going forward. We've received prophecy, dreams, visions. We believe we're on a mission. Scripture's very clear. So these next few months, we've organised, arranged and set in place some things. I just want to talk to you a few moments about the things over the next few months that are going to be happening within the body and over this next year ahead. So, one of the things that I think, if you have your head above the water, if you like, looking across the face of Christianity in the UK right now, is... It's very visible. It's an extraordinary movement, if you like, of prayer. There's never been, I don't think, as long as I can remember, just prayer initiatives rising up, gathering thousands of people in new and exciting ways. God is at work calling his church to prayer, it would seem. Peter Gregg and the 24-7 prayer movement. Stimulating prayer across nations. Try praying. You'll see buses, if you, if you travel into London on tubes, the invitation to pray. Those that don't even come to church, why don't you try? Why don't you give it a go? The HOPE movement, prayer 2020. 20th of the month. 2020 for 20 minutes calling the nation to pray churches, many many churches signing up, getting involved thy kingdom come the archbishops the catholic church globally calling people to pray through the pentecost season and many of you have spoken to me individually feel like we need to pray God's They're in my heart to pray. I've been praying and God's really laid on my heart that I want to gather some people and pray. So we think God's speaking. And so over the next year, we've been thinking hard about that. And we've we've put together a, a vision or a strategy for prayer in this coming year. And I will publish this in the next book that's coming out in only a few weeks time now. But just to give you a flavour of the year ahead with regards to prayer within Kings. We have fully brought into the tri Praying. We've supported that ministry financially. Only a small amount of money. But we are holding prayer cards. They're in the foyer. Anybody who comes into the building who would like us to pray. We're offering them prayer. We're offering them opportunity for prayer. We're handing out books to people. And we are praying that we will get the opportunity to offer that to folk. During May, during the Pentecost season, as a church, we'll be issuing you all with a Thy Kingdom Come prayer guide. And we'll be holding regular meetings throughout that season of prayer to come together with the nations, with other churches, with other global institutions to pray. Thy Kingdom Come. In October... During that season, we're going to be studying for that October season, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Central to that is the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be running the prayer course for those 10 weeks in some of our small groups. And as part of that, we have a a why and how to pray evening with Peter Gregg coming to share with us. We will also be holding a prayer weekend, a 24-3 prayer weekend over the autumn period. But we bring all these things that God has laid on our heart to him in a deep way. Our worship evenings, many of you have gathered to say, I don't particularly like singing all night, but I want to pray. So we'll be having a special place set aside where two or three can gather and intercede for the Lord's coming. Many of you have initiated pair groups. By monthly prayer meetings. We've had requests for different flavours of prayer and different styles of prayer meeting. And we're going to be encouraging releasing folk to organise and to run those things. We need to pray individually, corporately, and as the global church. as we do, church, as we do, perhaps we might see all that we hope. We have some other things on the menu. Some of you have spoken to us about healing on the streets, about witnessing in prayer on the streets. Well, we're working on that. We have to do that safely and well and in the right way. We'll be investing time and effort in making sure that we do that. I'd like to ask Ian Lamb now, just for a moment, to come up, just to talk briefly. In fact, no, I won't. I'll wait for a minute, Larry, sorry. (laughs) So I'm trying to get through a lot of stuff with you this morning, so I'm sorry if I'm going to keep on just rattling stuff out. You'll notice that we have a new children's and families team, um, Adrian and Abby are now in place. I just want to honour some of you who have held fast to the gap for a long time. So, honour Pauline. Juliet and Francis Cronin, who have just gone above and beyond so many times in order that, whilst we've worked out how we're going to organise and the gaps in between our different staff members coming and going, they have just stepped in and have just been extraordinary. But we have in place now a team, and they've been discussing, they're beginning to shape what we hope will be a vision for our children's and youth's and young adults' ministry. Um, Adrian is in youth this morning, otherwise he'd be here just sharing initially an outline for you, but I've got a few slides from him which I'm just going to try and talk you through. As As we shared before, we're trying to build a ministry that is holistically looking after young people to help them all, to encourage them to know and experience God's love, to encourage each one of them to make faith in Jesus their own as they grow from a child into an adulthood. To do this, we've been particularly focusing around, and they're building a curriculum around three key areas to educate and re-educate folk about who God is. The world says he's one thing. And our children are bombarded with all sorts of things about God and about Jesus and perhaps actually the nothing as well at the same time. And so to educate them, to re-educate them, to have a time of fun, fellowship and, and friendship and just provide them with an environment where they are actually, each one of them, able to meet Jesus for themselves. It's early days and it's in consultation, but the hope is that we will build a fully a robust and progressive curriculum right the way through all the age groups so that your child and children who come to us all the way through the ages get taught basic truths and encounter the love of God. And I'm just really grateful for the investment of the teams and the children's teams and those that put hours, hours and hours into doing this i love to be able to share the stories of those in, of you amongst you who have maybe been speaking at conferences to thousands and then to come on a Sunday morning and serve our three-year-olds. Or those that have been in different business modes during the week and then come in and, and serve our two-year-olds or our five-year-olds or our seven-year-olds. It's just an extraordinary thing and it's an indication that God is at work amongst us. We're really grateful. So this process, we're we're hopeful this will be in place for September. And Adrian and the team are going to be working on this together over this next few months. We're delighted to to have them and doing that. Ian. Part of our calling here as a church is to the widows, the poor and the orphans. It's a mandate from the Lord, which we take seriously. And um, over the last year, Ian, is, Mike has handed over to Ian, and Ian has picked up that ministry, and it's a great delight to be working with Ian now. Um, and uh, we have we've had some good times. We had a men's meal last week. This is and. Uh, I am going to embarrass him now but we had a men's meal last week I don't know how many were men to attend there were about 45 I think we'd oversubscribed so some of you weren't able to come which is a good plug from Wayne me saying get your acts together and get in early next time <laughs> and we'll be looking for a venue for 70 next time tremendous, that'll be great but last week uh, Ian brought three people along to the men's meal from the projects that we've been running I'm not embarrassed any of them by being here today because I don't think they are actually One guy lasted half an hour. He's an alcoholic. And this was a tough thing for him to do. But he was there. And he came. And it's the first step across the line, maybe, for him. And two others, one lasted another little while. And then one managed to stay out the whole evening. stayed Stayed the whole time. Tremendous. But I just love the fact that we are amongst these people. This is real. And... It's down to you that invitation, I'm on you for that mate. Well done. Anyway, you've got a couple of things to share, haven't you?
0: Uh you press that one there. That one there. Oh look. Thank you. So I'm Ian, Ian Lamb. Uh, I'm one of the imperfect staff members, as Paul's <laughs> already introduced us to. I think I might be at the top of that heap. Uh, I'm also one of the elders here, and I, I have the privilege, too, of working with Adrian uh, as one of his uh, youth leaders. So I know we're pushed for time, so if I'm any more than five minutes, Jane will come and slap me in the face, all right? That's the deal. <laughs> so uh, actually, incidentally, the guy that, the guy that came along um, who is an alcoholic, uh, I'm planning to have lunch with him soon uh, at his request. Um, so there's a lot going on. Um, but they, these, things, these, things, these things are beginning to happen. Th- this picture, why am I showing you this picture? Uh, this picture is a thing that was considered prophetic a couple of years ago. Uh, it's from a river valley uh, in Greece somewhere, Crete, uh, and it's dry. Uh, and the little picture that went around it was uh, the, in a hot and dry climate where there is no water, Uh, People can come for shade and refreshment uh, to the greenery that's growing around where the river used to be uh, because the greenery has its roots deep in the rock where the water is. But there is a time coming, uh, and you can hear the rain already, there is a time coming when the water will flow through the river and there will be life down the whole valley and everything will come to life Again, uh, that was considered prophetic for the church. It was a little prophetic for me uh, a couple of years ago. Um, But it's happening in a valley, not on a mountaintop where it's all nice and lovely and holy, uh, but down in a valley where it's hot and dirty uh, and uh, dusty. Uh, And we're also, as as a community care services team, Uh, We're also building on that. That's how we are focusing. Uh, That is our, not necessarily our driver, but our reference. Uh, And we are building on the work that Mike has done already. So we're not to honour Mike for what he's done. Uh, We are building on what he has done already. And he was building on what has been done over the hundreds of years that a church has been. We've been a church in this town. And we trust uh, that in the years to come, other people will be able to build on what we leave behind. So we, as a community care services, if you want to know what the services are, they're in the yellow-green book with the 20 on. It will give you a, a flavour. Uh, we are there for the people. Um, we, the council, uh, and the people we talk to are blown away when we say something like, we spent 15 years building a pastorally safe community which we now want to share and give away. And they actually stop talking sometimes, and they, they, they process it. They know us, because Mike's built some great relations with, it, with uh, relationship with them, so they trust us. But all the things that we do, all the things that we do, we want to do with excellence. So if we don't have the resources to do it, we're not going to do it. So we need the resources to do it. We want to be excellent in what we do. We, we, we've committed ourselves to attending to the root so that the fruit is healthy. And the root is hidden. It's, it's often overlooked. Uh, but by getting our lives right, um, by taking responsibility, by praying, uh, by uh, doing what God is, we feel he is calling us to do, not through guilt or drivenness, what, God, are you calling me To do. Sometimes we break the rules a little bit. Sometimes we don't. um, But we we, we are doing our very best to discern what God is saying, and then acting and acting on that. A couple of examples, and then, um, uh, at the risk of getting punched, I'll probably stop. But a couple of examples. Paul's already given you one. Uh, We are getting people coming along to the pub carols. We people come along to men's evenings. People coming along to Alpha. People uh, in some of the services, like for instance, um, make lunch, Uh, some of the mums are helping. They're filling some of the, not the staffing shortage, but they're getting involved in some of the things we're doing, which is tremendous to see. Um, We are dealing with people, I'll give you one or two, two little stories, people who are so broken, this isn't everybody, but there are many more people out there who are so broken that they'll burst into tears in front of me, a complete stranger, and Rory Stringer, because they just do not know what to do. And this isn't in a quiet room somewhere. This is in the middle of a car park. Uh, Four weeks later, they found another church to attend uh, in Chesham. Fantastic. We're not the only people in town. Uh, It's one church, one kingdom. We are one congregation in that. Uh, And they, they left a voicemail for us practically crying again thanking us for all that we've done Uh, and they're safely safely and when I mean safely I mean safe from domestic violence safe from sexual abuse safe from a whole lot of stuff because we took them a bit of furniture and pointed them to some people who could help and that's what we're looking for we're looking for people who can help us to do that um I'm not going to say any more. I've got some more on there, but I'm not going to say any more. Other than, uh, if you feel called to serve in a community, if you feel called to be one of those workers where Jesus says, uh, pray for the Lord of the harvest, to send workers into the harvest field, then we're looking for people who will work. We're not looking to kill you. We're asking you to commit to working if that's the calling God is putting on your life. That's all we're asking. Come and join us. Come and see what God will do. uh, And we'll join in. uh, And I trust we'll enjoy it. Thank you. Thanks, Larry.
1: It's easy to talk about projects and things, but actually it's about people. And relations with the people. And one of the things that... I think has really struck us in recent times is actually through consistent, persistent relationships with people in these circumstances, we are seeing God break through and um, a few of you here today through the Make Lunch ministry that you found the hope of Jesus and through others from other ministries that are we are seeing fruit, and uh, it's just the wonderful thing to watch and to learn from and to Begin to understand a bit more. Part of the other thing that uh, is, we're called to be a mature body of people. And um, over a season, we've noticed that we've had a, a lot of new people added to us as a church from all sorts of different walks and journeys. But you've arrived here, and that's wonderful, and we love to see you, and it's fantastic. And we've initiated a few things that will enable you to connect to us in a better way and and more quickly, and part of Julian's responsibility here is to to make sure that we're doing that as well as we possibly can be. But there was, in the not-too-distant past, an idea or a a concept called church membership, which we'd kind of not talked about for quite a long time. And... um, Not particularly because we didn't agree with it or we didn't want it. More that we felt we needed to put some work into re-engineering, reworking in our own minds, perhaps, what scripture says about it. What it actually means and the benefits to it, which we believe there are many. And so in two weeks' time, we've got Nick Johnson next week. The week after, we're going to be explaining a little bit about church membership to everyone again. Because I think it's probably appropriate to talk about that again at this time. Um, We had a newcomer's lunch, there was 65 down the list. Kat and Lee, most Sundays when they run the ones, they've got 10, 12 people coming. How do you connect in with us? How do you join in with us? How do you get involved? Well, that's through church membership. And so Julian's going to share with us on the Sunday morning in a couple of weeks' time so everybody is clear what it means, why it's so great, why it is a gift to be connected to the body of Christ. So that's going to happen. And also as part of that, we are embarking on a new discipleship program which we hope will enable all of us to build the patterns the God-given patterns of the Christian life into our walks every day. And um, I can't say too much about that, but we're going to launch that in a few weeks' time. We've spent a lot of time and effort, and we'd like to take the whole church through that at some point in the near future to help establish strong rhythms and foundations of the Christian life and the Christian walk amongst us. We are ever in, in need of leaders. You might think, really? Yeah, we do. We need leaders. I need small group leaders. I need ministry leaders. I need prayer group leaders. I need leaders to lead marriage counselling. I need to facilitate courses. To run. We need leaders all over the church. And so we're looking for that. And as a leadership team, we're looking to raise up, to encourage and to build up Leaders, and we will be seeking and asking and seeking the Lord for things and ways and means of encouraging you in those things. To go back onto the building for a few moments, you will notice that the building is starting to go through some refurb processes. The the cafe has um, had gone the little facelift and there's still a few things to go on various other bits and pieces there. The building is painted every year. The entire building is painted on the internally every year by Gary and his team during the Christmas break. But we've not done the auditorium as yet. You might notice if you look around hard around the edges of the room, a mark about eight, ten foot up in the air. That's as far as we've got so far with the fresh paint. It's going to be seven years in November and we need to do the auditorium. So over the summer, we will need to have a pause and facilitate painting this fast room. And there are other bits and pieces within the building that need painting and changing and looking at. And as, as I've said already, may need some reimagining and some redesigning. The fire alarm broke this week. A thousand pounds. It all takes... Financing and organising but you can be assured that there are teams of people working to do the very best with your funds and with how we organise what we do and aiming at bettering the facilities that are already fantastic which bleeds me nicely into finances and don't all turn off at this point this is kingdom stuff Dave and I we work quite hard and quite closely together. We meet quarterly. We talk regularly on the phone with regards to the church finances, where we are, how are we doing, what have we got underway, what do we need? He's asking me, what do you want to do? How much is it going to cost? So we set budgets, and this year we're entering into our three-year budget plan cycle. We budget from September to September each year. Dave accounts April to April for those of you in the know. So some of these numbers here I'm going to give you are accounting numbers. So in the April to April cycle for last year, or oh, April to February, regular giving has been up 23, nearly £23,000 on the year before. In that cycle, that is tremendous, church, given the economic climate, Given the challenges that I know... You know, over this last month, I know five young men in this this room, professional men, have all been without work and have had to find new jobs. It's a challenging time in the marketplace. But don't take this lightly. But you have given to the work that we've had and you've given in extraordinary ways. So we have, at the moment, we're in a good place with our budgets. Our costs are broadly in line with our budgets. In fact, the biggest cost, which is staff... Is actually just below. We re-engineered our staffing, not to cost more money than they did in the past, maybe two years ago, three years ago. But just to maybe look differently within the same cost lines. And we've managed to do that. And so we're in line with budget. And Dave, if he was here, would say he was happy. (laughs) Which is a good thing. But every year, as you know, we leave what we call, I like to call a faith gap. Our regular income doesn't actually cover everything we do. There's a faith gap in our lives, f- for most of us. There's a faith gap in our finances here as a church. And so we have a gift day, we have them twice a year. It's an opportunity to invest in the Lord's work. We budget for it, it's true. And we need the money. It's true. But we're in a good place. But I really would ask you to consider what you could give next week and in the coming weeks. We'll talk more about that next week. I was reading something, well actually I was watching something with Martin, uh, the guy who used to do money supermarket and he was talking about the safe investments over these last month or two as the as the markets shift. You know, I could I can honestly say to you this is a safe investment is the kingdom of God. And as everything else shifts God's kingdom stands. But not just for the next few weeks, years, months. Of course it will see out the current economic crisis. This is an eternal investment for all of us. Something you pay into with bonuses that last a lifetime. An eternal lifetime. Of course, we as a church should have lots of strategy and lots of plans. They're all good. And if you talk to my eldership team, I'm very keen on those things. And we are planned out for a good, good amount of time and we are constantly looking at how we should and do things and do them better but the truth is the church really only has one plan and that is jesus he is our plan he is our hope he is our foundation it's in him we place our trust. It's in him we place our dreams. And he is the one who can bring us to salvation. And to bring others to salvation. There's this narrative that seems to exist. I think it, I was struck by it last week even. It seems to prevail in, in quite a lot of circles, church circles, perhaps even all of us subconsciously. And it's this that our views, our ideas, our beliefs are so countercultural, so unacceptable, so foolish, so impossible, perhaps. In the face of relativity, we start talking absolutes. And truth, so unpalatable that perhaps the best thing is, actually the best thing is we batten down the hatches, hold on, and wait for heaven. And in some respects, it's a human response. But as I talk to many of you, and you share stories... And I talk to other church leaders and I see what's going on in the nation. There is a, if you like, an appetite it would seem right now amongst people for some measure of hope, certainty and truth. (laughs) Like perhaps we've not seen for a while. Certainly ten years ago it was different. Five years ago it was a different? But people are coming to faith in increasing numbers. Through the simple telling of the gospel message. We're experiencing it here. We're just starting to see that happen here. I'm grateful for the work of Alpha and all the other courses that help people work out what they're thinking. But I'm also excited and eager and anticipating those moments of just conversation and people throw themselves on the mercy of Jesus. There's much uncertainty, confusion and difficulty in the world. That doesn't mean we should take pleasure in that fact, but it is a place where we can speak and into which we can speak. Perhaps this morning, you're burdened by the uncertainty yourselves. And I'd speak to you and say, Jesus, Jesus is Lord. And as an eldership team, we've been greatly stirred by some of these texts. By Acts 18. The Lord's speaking, do not be silent. I am with you. No one will lay a hand on you because I have many people in this city. I have many people in this town. Stay, speak, speak out. To not be ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the hope of salvation. Paul, in Romans 10, says, he's talking to the church and he says, you know, Everyone in the calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call if they don't know who he is? How can they believe in the one they've not heard about? How can that happen? Who's going to tell them? How can they hear without someone sharing the good news? I don't mean to put this on you church that's Jesus' job he puts it on you he brings it to you and he puts it on you how beautiful are the feet look at your feet this morning most of us have pretty ugly feet most of us do how beautiful are the feet that bring good news an extraordinary thing Back in November, we had a worship conference here. Nick Herbert, who is the, um, Nick is from HTB. He's there, he's in charge of prayer actually, but are not? Involved in the prophetic ministry there. And he was here leading a session and he just had a word for us as a church and we've been thinking about this as an eldership team. And uh, we weigh everything that comes to us. I'll let you read this for a moment. As an eldership team, we're praying for all of us that we would all be be enthused with the gospel. We're going to be talking a lot about that over the next few weeks, months, and days. It's for each one of us to be able to share Jesus. That's what we believe. I'm going to close now because I know the kids are desperate to come back in. I've got lots more and we've run over time. But I just want you to read to you this morning. Um, something I've been reading quite a lot recently. It's the Passion Translation. If you haven't got a Passion Translation of the scriptures yet, I suggest you get one. They're fantastic. It's easy reading. It's quite challenging reading. 1 Corinthians 13, you're all familiar with the passage. Most of you have had it read at your weddings. It's that passage that Paul talks about love after he talks about the body of Christ. And he's talking about it in the context of this value the body of Christ should carry above all other things. I just want to read it to close this morning and then we will um, we'll close the service, but it's this. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages... In the heavenly tongues of angels, and yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy, with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and I possessed unending spiritual knowledge, and I had the greatest gifts of faith that could move mountains, but I'd never learned to love, then I am nothing. If I were to be so generous as to give everything away, I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr. Without the pure motive of love, I'd gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. And love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous. Even when blessing comes to somebody else. Love does not brag about one's achievements. Nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. Love joyfully celebrates honesty. Finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a self-place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. It never gives up. Love never stops loving. And it extends beyond gifts of prophecy, which eventually fade away. It's more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long long after words of knowledge and forgotten. See, our present knowledge and prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial fades away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured. And I sat aside my childish ways. For now I see. But a faint reflect, reflection of riddles. And, of mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day. One day. We will see. Face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day. I will understand. Everything. Just as everything about me. Has been fully understood. Until then then, there are three things that remain faith, hope, and love. And love surpasses them all. So above all else. Let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. As a leadership team, as a church, let love be the prize for which we run. Let love be the thing that carries us, that motivates us, that sends us. Let love, God's love, shape all we do. That's our prayer for this season. That we might know more, that we might engage more, that we might experience more, that we might share more of the love of God. Because that is the gospel. That is the good news. And then we can all do that. We just need to experience it for ourselves. My time is well and truly gone. I'm sorry for keeping you longer this morning. If you have questions on anything I've said this morning, then do seek us out. It might not be possible this morning to speak to me, but you can speak to others in the eldership team. Do read the yellow books increasingly. So that will become a place where we communicate a lot of what I've said this morning, so we don't go on forever like we have today. But go in peace today. Go in the.
0: Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.